But yeah, it's normal, but shorter, okay? Shorter. And I maybe have a story about Miss Margie in it, too, and that you might find interesting. So, so hey, is everyone ready for Christmas? I know that we're still a few days out, and yeah, okay, down here, we're ready. Are we ready? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's coming, it's coming. Uh, you know, uh, in our home during the days leading up to Christmas, Margie and I, we, we each have different responsibilities. And uh, uh, like Margie is in charge of decorating the tree and the inside of the house, and I'm in charge of like getting the dec- decorations down out of the attic above the garage. Okay, and Margie's in charge of shopping for the gifts and wrapping them, and I'm in charge of admiring what a great job she's done. Okay, and Margie's in charge of getting this year's Christmas cards ready, addressing the envelopes, keeping the addresses up to date year to year, and I'm in charge of buying the stamps. Okay, and Margie's in charge of making the Christmas candy and the cookies, and I'm in charge of quality control. And what that, and you know, that whole thing, what I'm saying is pretty accurate. Okay, it's pretty accurate. But realizing the responsibilities might not be quite equal, every once in a while I go the extra mile and I volunteer, do some extra chore, like, you know, wrap a few presents or taste a few more cookies or something else I might be, think is helpful. And this year, I I volunteered and actually picked out and bought a couple of the presents for one of our grandsons. And we have grandchildren from like, Autumn I think is like 29 this year, all the way down to twin twin boys this year. And so, so, but anyway, I picked out uh, and bought, okay, uh, you know, uh, you'll never guess for our grandson, one of our grandsons, and you'll never guess it. So I'll just tell you what it was, but it was a brand new fishing pole and reel. Okay, you never would have guessed, okay? And, and a brand new tackle box filled with some fishing supplies. And then, since by then I kind of caught this gift-giving, you know, spirit, I wrapped up the gifts, which it's not easy, by the way, you know, with that reel attached to the rod and everything. It's not, it's kind of awkward. But anyway, I found the appropriate size box in the garage to ship it in, and I took it to the post office, and I mailed it out so it can be under my grandson's Christmas tree in Pennsylvania on Christmas Day. But here's the thing. I thought I did a pretty good job, okay? You know, I kept within the allowance, you know, we had a budgeted amount, and I kept just inside, well, maybe not quite inside, you know, with tax and everything, but, but anyway, I did pretty good, but I didn't account for how much the postage would be on a box this size, okay? And so, turns out the postage cost as much as the present did, you know? But, but hey, it's Christmas, and you know, with Christmas, it's just some gifts cost more than they should have, but afterwards, even, even if it isn't necessary to spend as much as you do, you realize the focus becomes the gift and not the price. Wouldn't you say, church family? Please? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. And the truth is, I think the best gifts always cost you something either in time or effort or money or creativity. You got to put something in, right? Well, we've been in a series of messages where we've been looking at the signs of Christmas. And this morning we want to look at the gifts of the wise men, uh, what the wise men brought. And we've looked at the angels in the manger thus far. And now we want to focus in on the gifts that were given to the baby Jesus. You know, do you know what those gifts are, by the way? Down here, the gifts to baby Jesus. Okay, well, hang around. You do. Go ahead. You get a star. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's what they are. Okay, so we're going to take a look at those this morning. And, and, uh, and so, you know, uh, how did the Magi, at, or, or as we like to say, the wise men really decide on those gifts? You know, someone once asked this hypothetical question once, like, like, what if it had been three wise women instead of three wise men? And the answer is, well, first of all, they, would arri- they wouldn't arrive late, 
Okay, okay. I mean, they would have stopped and asked directions so that they would have arrived on time in order to help deliver the baby, clean the stable, and make a casserole while they were there. You know, so that's how that would have gone. But here's the thing: there's a lot. Uh, there's there's much about these wise men that we don't know. Okay, but what we do know is they were not Jewish. They were not Jewish, and so they weren't on a personal quest to find the Messiah, okay? But since Daniel had spoken prophecies concerning the coming king back when he was captive in Persia, maybe that is what made them be on the lookout for this special king who was going to be born in Bethlehem. And here's what else we, we do know about the Magi or the wise men, and that is that they were very intelligent and respected, and they had the king's attention with anything that they could find out. And the journey probably took three to four months to get there to Bethlehem, and from there the star led them straight to the baby. And of significance to us today, the Bible does tell us what gifts they brought to baby Jesus, as we just heard. We know, okay? So look with me at Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 and 11. It says this. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Very good. Okay, so now we, we should note that the picture presented is not the same as uh, nativity scenes, or at least some nativity scenes that we see today. For some time has passed before the wise men arrive, like the shepherds there on the day, but these guys come later, and Mary and Joseph are no longer in the stable area. The Bible says when they came to the house, okay? So evidently, someone is either taking them in or they're renting a place because the scripture says the Magi came to the house. Now, we think there must have been, you know, uh, we normally think of, of three wise men or three magi because they brought three gifts, but the Bible never really says that there were three, okay? In fact, if they're typical guys, it's entirely possible that there was four or five because logic would dictate that a couple of them would probably go together to buy one gift. Like, like you know, I mean, who knows? It could have happened. I mean, can, can you hear it now? Hey, I'll go half on the gold. Just put my name on the card, right? I mean, that's how men are. Okay, but seriously, there are a lot of things that we think we know about the nativity that we think we know according to tradition that re in reality we're really not quite certain, Okay. Or we're kind of uncertain about something. And in regard to these gifts on the surface, you might want to ask, are these really the most practical gifts for a baby? And what exactly would a baby do with gold? I mean, does he really need gold? And when you think about this baby came from heaven, as we say, I mean, it's like pavement, right? Pavement, okay? And incense didn't seem to serve a purpose, and I'm not sure you'd want to give that to an infant anyway. And as for myrrh, I mean, why would you bring embalming spices for a baby? It's kind of morbid, okay? But... You know, scholars look for, for you know, uh, significance to each gift, and some have said, well, there is some. The first was gold, and this one seems to make the most sense, gold for the arrival of a king. The second was incense. Some versions say frankincense, okay, meaning that it was, a type, uh, it was from a type of tree that grew in southern, southern coastal area of Arabia, often used in religious rites or religious ceremonies. And if you're familiar with the responsibilities of the high priest back in the Old Testament setting, the priest would spray this incense, and while the Magi may not have realized this, the, the baby, this baby would become their high priest, the one who would forgive their sins and intercede on their behalf. Hebrews 4, verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Now, 
The last gift, while seemingly the most odd and unusual, it might have been unusual significance to Christ, for it was the gift of myrrh, and for myrrh was primarily used in the embalming process, which does seem a little odd or a little strange for a baby, okay? But some Bible scholars suggest that this was a reference to Christ's humanity, that all of mankind will face death. Now, myrrh was a perfume that came from a small thorny tree growing in Ethiopia, and it was attained by making an incision in a branch of that tree, and the droplets that oozed out would then be hardened into this, this bitter uh, Aramaic gum, which was highly prized by the ancient people as a perfume, and it was often used in the embalming process. J. Vernon McGee take, talks about uh, this veiled prophecy to the second coming of the Messiah found in Isaiah 60, verse 6b, where it says this, and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. McGee points out perhaps Jesus brought gold, you know, was, was brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh because the Bible in the, in the manger was destined for a cross, okay? That he was destined for a cross, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, our salvation is made possible. And honestly, I don't, I don't know the reason behind all the gifts. I mean, this kind of makes sense to me, I suppose, but I wonder, I often wonder, like, how much thought did the wise men actually put into the gifts? I mean, because I can tell you firsthand, I mean, I mean, we have two, I, I told you earlier, two twin grandson boys born just this year, and, and while shopping for Christmas presents, I mean, it, I mean, for babies, it's like, what do you pick out? Like, what do you buy them? Like, you know, you know it's difficult. And so I think we settled on diapers, okay? We bought them diapers, okay? And outfits that they'll never even look at. I mean, their mama will put them on them, but those boys, they don't care. They don't care. You know, they're not even going to look at it, right? I mean, that's really for mama, you know, and, and, and all the people on Facebook when you put it on there. You know, that's who that's for. But usually the gifts that we give babies nowadays, I think, are designed to make life easier for the parents and, and, and meet their needs, okay? I mean, that, that seems to make the most sense because I can still remember when Miss Margie down here and I were newly married and, and we had little babies, and I remember diapers and milk diapers and milk. It, they're so expensive, okay? I mean, they may be small, these babies, but providing for babies' needs, it's not cheap. It's not, and, and wouldn't you know it, somehow God and his infinite wisdom chose either direct the, to direct the gift selection or to use their choices to provide for this family. And by God doing so, the gifts of the wise men brought, you know, that, that they brought became a sign of God's provision. Here's what I mean. The point is, God the Father, while he entrusted God the Son to this earth, he was sure to provide some necessary gifts to help out early on and for the long run. He was in it, okay? I mean, if there is one common denominator about each one of these gifts, it's that they are rare and they are valuable and, and they could have been sold in any place on the marketplace, in any culture. I mean, it's better than Visa, right? They were better than Visa. Listen, church family, the bottom line concerning these gifts is, is what God calls you to, listen now, what he calls you to, and he called Mary and Joseph, what he calls you to, he provides for, okay? And these gifts that God is providing this family takes care of things. Because when they, when they have to flee under King Herod, because King Herod wants to kill all the baby boys under the age of two, they're going to have to make a run for it. And when they make a run for it, they're going to need provision. You see, Mary and Joseph and Jesus would have to travel to Egypt, to a new and different land, to a completely different culture where they have no ties, no family, no friends, and Joseph must do a small business startup on his own. You know, and most scholars believe that the gold may have been sold so that the family could make ends meet, you know, because of this abrupt move. I mean, you talk about perfect gifts. 
So true to God's character, I mean, God provides exactly what we need, even when we don't know what it is that we need. And in that, like God, to provide something in an unusual way, using unusual people to provide the exact provision needed. You know, let me ask you, friends, you ever, you ever personally see God's, you know, see a sign of God's provision in your life? I hope so. I mean, my wife, Miss Margie down here, uh, uh, likes to tell uh, of this sign of God's provision that happened uh, when I would, I would refer to the years. It was when we were first married and we had wee little kids, and I like to call it our young and poor days. Okay, because, I mean, you know, back when, I don't know if you experienced this, but we re- routinely paid like $150 for our new-to-us used cars. <laughs> you, you ever have one of those? It's new-to-us used car. Okay, we had those, and, and I remember paying like $150 for this one. Anyway, she, Plymouth Fury, big 350 or big, big, big engine in it, you know, and she was traveling home from the, the belt, on the Beltway from Williamsport, Pennsylvania to to our home in Jersey Shore, uh, Pennsylvania area. It's about a 30-minute drive, and she, when she heard something break underneath the car, and then she noticed the car lost power, began to slow down, drift, and so she pulled off to the side of the road, and the problem was this broken drive shaft, meaning that the car wasn't going to go anywhere. And since this was the days before cell phones, remember that old, okay, she wasn't going anywhere either, right? And so there she is, stranded along the highway, wondering why this always happens to her and never to her husband, because that's always the way it worked. And so there she is, you know, when this older couple pulled off the highway, and by older, since we were like 30 back then, I mean, older may have meant like 50, I mean, <laughs> or so. I don't, I don't really know. They, they might, uh, were they older than that? They were older than that. Okay, I mean, who knows? I mean, when you're 30, those old people all look the same, don't they? <laughs> Anyway, this couple stopped, inquired as to the problem, offered to transport her up to the next exit to a Burger King where she could use a payphone to call me, payphone, you know, use a payphone to call me, which she gratefully accepted. But there's more. They didn't just drop her off, which would have been fine. They went in with her, and they bought her a cup of coffee, and they tried to assure everything would be okay. I'm pretty sure tears were involved, you know. And when I arrived to pick her up, they pressed a $20 bill into her hand and resisted all her attempts to not receive it. A random act of kindness, and we were both so thankful for their willingness to help and not just help, but go the extra mile and spend time, invest. Now, people are often good like that. I I believe this world still has a, a fair amount of good people in it, but as Margie would say, there's more. And the more is where you begin to see God more clearly. So we towed that car home, and being young and poor, we needed a cheap fix. But drive shafts are not cheap, nor is getting them fixed, okay? But there happened to be this guy who lived about a half mile down the road where we lived. Uh, the only reason we knew him is, I mean, he had this little small junkyard, which basically I think is cars that he bought that he just didn't get, you know, he just took them out back. And, and he had a collision repair business there. Just a small, small-time businessman. And I only knew him because he painted a car for me back when I was 18, that Plymouth Duster, that desert sand that turned to go green, you know, so I could pretend it was a sports car. Anyway, so just out of chance, we inquired, might he have a car like that with a crankshaft, the year and model that we needed, and wouldn't you know it? He did. And not only did he have one, but he said he'd bring it to the house and install it for us, which he did. And do you know what he charged for that crankshaft, including installation, church family? Go ahead. $20. Yeah. You know, my wife, what she calls that 20 bucks provided by a couple and that man's generosity at fix, you know what she calls that? A sign of God's provision. And here's the thing. If you have eyes to see it, you can find God's provision all over the place in a number of ways. 
you know, from a number of unusual ways, okay? Case in point, you don't know where the next rent payment's going to come from, but somehow he provides it and he takes care of your need. You don't know how you'll provide Christmas gifts for your kids this year. Money's really tight, but somehow God makes it happen. And he may even use other people to bring it about. And when it happens, if you have eyes to see it, it's a sign of God's provision. So, gold, frankincense, and myrrh is what the, the Magi brought, but we can see now that they are gifts from God. And maybe the best gift the Magi brought this baby was themselves and their worship. You remember, you remember church family, the story of Abraham? Do you all know the story of Abraham? You ever sing the song, Father Abraham? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, well, it's about him, okay? Uh, God asked, the story of Abraham is God asked him to take his son, Isaac, to the top of Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. I mean, this was the son of promise that they waited on for decades, okay? And now God's asking to take this boy, this special son, their only son, and kill him, make a sacrifice him to show his allegiance to God, to the Lord. You remember the story, church, Yes? Okay, yeah, I mean, we remember it because, especially that one, because you hear that story, and the first time you hear it, you go like, no way, no way. How could God even ask such a thing? And how could Abraham, right? Like, when the boy Isaac asked Abraham, I mean, this chokes me up every time, Father, where is the lamb that we're going to sacrifice? How do you answer, if you're Abraham, how do you answer that question? Well, here's how, how he quietly answered. He says, God will provide. God will provide the sacrifice. And when they got near the top of the mountain, Genesis 22, 5 tells us that Abraham said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, this verse is rather significant because it's the first time in the Old Testament that the word worship ever appears in the Bible, okay? And it's in the context of giving something to God, okay? And that's worship, giving something to God. For worship involves bringing something to God, okay? And it made no sense to sacrifice Isaac from where we stand, but Abraham trusted God enough to follow through. And many of faith know that story today, for God's command to Abraham was only a test. And if you know the Genesis account, then you know that Abraham ties his son to the altar, he raises his knife to kill his son, and just before he brings it down to take the life of his son, at that precise moment, the voice of God from heaven says, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am, here I am. And I love the next verse, Genesis twenty-two, twelve. Here's what God says. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now, we all know today that that's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the New Testament when God gives up his only son, okay? But as Abraham joyously unties his son off to the side, there's this ram caught in a thicket, divinely placed there to be sacrificed instead of the son. For God made certain that Abraham's words rang true. Where's the sacrifice, Father? God will provide. And he did. God. He provided to sacrifice. Look at verse 14 in that same text. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The Lord will provide. And Abraham walked down that mountain having learned to trust in God's provision. And true worship involves bringing something to God. Now, you may say, well, that's great, preacher, but what does that have to do with the very first Christmas? Well, in our text today, we find the very first mention of the word worship in the New Testament. Listen to it again. We heard it earlier. Matthew 2, verse 11. First time 
On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Now, notice these magi. They didn't, they didn't worship Joseph, and they didn't worship Mary. The Bible says they worshiped Jesus for who he was and who he would become. And they don't come empty-handed to see the Christ child, do they, church family? No, they do not. For we see once again that worship involves bringing something to God. So, we've looked at, uh, are you doing okay down here? Okay, I got a little ways to go. We all right? Yeah, okay, here we go. So, we've, okay, or are we almost done? Okay, so we've looked at the gifts of the Magi brought, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and we've seen the gift of worship, but there's still one more gift that we have to talk about on this day that we celebrate Christmas, okay? And that is the gift that God gave. Anybody know what God gave? Go ahead, you're on a roll. Hmm? He did, that's the one. That's the one we're gonna talk about, okay? Good, good deal, two stars. Two stickers or two stars for you, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. Jesus was the gift, and is the gift, by the way. The book of 2 Corinthians, Jesus is actually described that way, where the apostle writes, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, 2 Corinthians 9.15. And this is why we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus was God's provision for us, and because of the gift of Jesus, God has provided for us. Philippians 4.19 says this, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And what that literally means is, is that through the gift of Jesus, he will fully supply all of our needs and complete us. Okay, he'll complete us. And that's the reason for this season. Is it not church family? Because he completes us. Yeah, yeah. You see, it's just as someone said long ago, if man's greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. If his greatest need was finances, then he would have provided a financial planner. If man's greatest need was pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But God in his infinite wisdom knew that man's greatest need is the forgiveness of sins. And so he gave us a savior. You know, I think we, we tend to think that the very best gifts are the ones that meet some great need that we have, and this one does. And I think of the high price that was paid when the God of the universe, that very first Christmas, left heaven and became flesh. And let us not forget Christ's prayer a little later on in the Garden of Gethsemane. I really don't want to do this, Father. Is there some other way? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. He wondered if there was some other way than becoming the sacrificial lamb of God upon the cross. But the father said, no, no, there's no other way. For the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no sacrifice for sin. So, so here is this baby born in a manger, yet destined for a cross. You see, Christmas isn't the only holiday when God paid too high of a price. He also did it on Good Friday when man was at his worst, but God was at his best. You know, I imagine every time Abraham saw Mount Moriah, it reminded him that the Lord will provide. In the same way, every time the Christian sees a cross, it should serve as an eternal reminder that the Lord has provided and continues to provide for us today. For God so loved the world that he gave us a gift, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And all God's people, including this section down here, said what? Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for the day that we are able to come and celebrate your great gift to us today, all the way from heaven to earth. So Lord, as we draw together close here today to continue to celebrate, Lord, we pray 
that you might be with us, but Lord, we might be with you in lifting up praises and honor and, and giving our all today, that we might give back. It's surely not enough. It's surely not enough. But Lord, I pray that we give all that we have. We pray in Christ's name for his glory, for his kingdom. Amen.